Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast, Kevin AC, Padres beat writer. That is Ryan Finley. He's the sports editor of the Union Tribune. I am in Chicago. Got here finally after four days in Arizona. Padres won their second series of the, the season, first in three weeks. Um, and uh, now a day off, their first day off in 19 days, their second day off in the season. The season's 26 days old. Woo! It was a lot. I was grateful to hear that other people that uh, are, are part of this circus uh, that were, were as exhausted as, as I am. Because you go, am I just getting old? No, this was a this was a tough start to the season. We are uh, going to talk about Fernando Tatis. Ryan, we are no longer talking about Fernando Tatis is going to play. We are talking about he has played. Same with Joe Musgrove. Where do you want to start? Sure. Uh, let's start with Tatis. Uh, you and I were both there in Phoenix on Thursday when Tatis returned. We're both there when he did his pregame press conference uh, sort of in the uh, visiting uh, dugout, said all the right things, went out and, and is looking very much like the player I think that we all expected. But he didn't hit six home runs in four games in Phoenix, Kevin, uh, after tearing up the PCL. Uh, what have you seen from him at the plate? Hitting the ball hard. Seven uh, seven of 12 or 14 balls that he's put in play have been hard. His softest hit was 89 miles an hour. It was a home run. run. Uh, yeah. Six of those balls at 100 miles an hour. A lot of them are line drives. He's hitting the ball to all fields. He looks like Tatis for the most part. He barely chased at all. I think it's, it's fine. He's something like three for 18, but that's – you know, neither here nor there. Uh, he, you were, you nailed it. He looks like we remembered. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Okay, fine. He's gonna, he's got to get some hits at some point. He's four games in. The real thing is, both of the first two nights in right field, he made mistakes. Um, one may have cost a run. You know, the other, whatever. But he made mistakes. Right. He didn't make any more. His routes are so much better even than they were in spring, and it's night and day from 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, something happened in AAA where, man, he he really focused on it, and 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 is you know, it he was good in spring. You were like, okay, he's going to be fine and right because he's such a good athlete. Well, now he's an athlete who knows how to play. The last couple of games. You could see the wheels spinning. He wasn't tested. There wasn't really a reason to try to throw to get a runner, but he chose not to. And you could kind of see, you could even, you could just kind of see the brain working. I think that uh, all things uh, considered, I think it was a really good weekend for Fernando Tatis Jr. I agree. I, and I think that it was a really good setting for him. You know, uh, obviously, Thursday night was, I think, at least 50% Padre fans. Kevin, you were there the rest oh, of the yeah. weekend. A lot of brown and gold in the stands. Um, he got some booze. Right. I mean, there was a little bit, little bit of pushback from Phoenix, um, but probably if you've got to start on the road somewhere, that's the place to start. Oh, it's always Padre. A lot of Padres fans. There were the crowds were bigger because the Padres are there. Saturday was a Zach Gallon bobblehead night. So there was something I don't know what it was. Twenty eight thousand or whatever. A big crowd for them. And that was the first real booze because it was a lot of Diamondbacks fans or whatever baseball fans there to get their bobbleheads uh and there was there was real booze but even they sort of petered out right like but they, they weren't passionate about it like he's going to get here i anticipate the next three days in chicago like he will not get in mexico city um and, but he will and uh you know goes to yankee stadium goes to dodger stadium goes sure. to oracle park it's going to be interesting um and so yes Without a doubt, this was the best place for him to start. Kevin, we did the the pregame press conference thing on Thursday, and just the setting of it reminded me so much of the media scrum he held at Petco 
sitting in the home dugout. And I wasn't there for the first one, but I was there for the second one. It sounds as if this is a a guy who has matured more than the year or the nine months since the last time he held that press conference. Yeah, and I thought his answer to that question was interesting. Like he globbed onto that question. It was like, yeah, like that's how I live. Right. Like you, you are the number one prospect in baseball. You got to grow up quick. You come up at 20 years old to the majors. You got to grow up quick. Uh, You know, you are the home run leader playing through injuries. You got to grow up quick. Then you do a bunch of, or a couple, you know, not so smart things in the off season. The team calls you out. You're publicly humiliated. You got to grow up quick. Uh, He's 24 years old going on 30. I think he's one of, he's a kid, man. They were watching a boxing match on Saturday night in the clubhouse. Right. Um, and uh, I don't know who it was. I didn't even know there was a, that boxing was still a thing. And I used to love boxing, uh, but uh, they, they were watching and his guy won. And Tatis was like a 12 year old man. Now, why was he so excited that his guy won? I don't know. He jumps on the couch. I mean, Tatis is 24 years old going on 12 in some ways. But in some very important ways, hey, look, it's important that he's 24 going on 12. He's an exuberant kid who brings energy to the team. But he's also more mature than his years. He's more mature than a lot of guys in that clubhouse because of how he grew up, what he's been through. Like, like honestly, the mistakes that he made, no, no getting around it, okay? Mm-hmm. But – it could not have gone as well. It couldn't have gone any better than it has gone in terms sure. of how it appears to have shaped him. It, it, there aren't very many guys in the clubhouse more mature than Matt Carpenter mm-hmm. um, in terms of age and experience. This is a guy who, I mean, kind of took over Sunday's game and somebody who I, I thought even Thursday was hitting the ball pretty well before he got pinch hit for. Is he settling into his role here? And what has impressed you about him at the plate? It's funny if you have two games this year. Well, I guess uh, Jake Cronenworth had one, but uh, there's three games that have stood out where one guy has sort of been the hero, and one was Nelson Cruz in Atlanta. Right. Uh, the uh, and then the other, the third was uh, Matt Carpenter yesterday with uh, five RBIs of their seven runs, two doubles, a home run, sacrifice fly. Uh, you know the thing you saw throughout, and you didn't know because he is 37 years old because his only thing in the last four years was that few months with the Yankees. Um, you you didn't know like what you were really seeing. Yes, it was old Matt Carpenter controlling the strike zone, not being, you know, being a very smart hitter, being aware of what his weaknesses are, knowing what he can hit. But you're like, well, but can he still hit? And he's shown he can still hit. Now, Nelson Cruz had shown he could still hit. And as I detailed in the um, – newsletter on Sunday and go read it. If you would like, he suddenly can't hit spin. I mean, it's incredible. It is incredible how bad he looks. Now, sometimes hitters go through funks. We've seen that with Manny Machado where you're like, what are you doing, Manny? You're like one of the best hitters in the game and you just look like you can't hit. This is a really hard game. I think they have the hardest part of it. Hitters do. Um, But at 42, about to be 43 in a couple months, Suddenly teams, I mean, when I say incredible, they're not even throwing him fastballs. Right. It's right. like they're practically telling him what they're going to throw him, and he's flailing at it. So I don't know. This will be really interesting. It's not a platoon. It's Bob Melvin playing the hot hand. 
That said, Nelson Cruz, the Padres face two lefties, one of them really tough tomorrow night, Justin Steele. Good young guy. He's 3-0, and uh, has shut down the Rangers, the Brewers, the Dodgers. It'll be interesting. Is it Matt Carpenter, lefty on lefty, because he's hot? Is it Nelson Cruz because, you know, he's the righty? And, and you know, this, this DH thing will be interesting. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because, again, you know, I think the Padres have tried to put Cruz in a position to succeed, right? He mo- mostly plays against lefties. And, you know, even with Carpenter, I mean, we didn't we see Thursday, Kevin? He was pinch hit for, for Nelson Cruz. Yeah, early. It's, been, it's happened early. a couple times where he's pinch hit in the fifth or sixth yeah. inning. Yes. Right. And, you know, they put him in, in position to succeed. To me, the thing that is scary is when you're 28 or 31 or even 35 and you go through a slump like that, there's a belief that you're going to snap back because, hey, you're a pro. I think that when you reach the age that Cruz has reached, when you, I mean, he had a well-documented eyesight issue. Did he not? Um, yeah, you wonder, is he seeing the ball? One of the things he said is that he was seeing spin better. Um, right. Last year, he wasn't seeing anything really right. uh, spin for sure. Left eye, a little bit of a, a flap. Um, mm-hmm. Evidently not. Uh, you couldn't see the naked eye. If you wonder mm-hmm. like, well, why did it take so long to get it fixed? Um, but uh, couldn't see spin, but also really wasn't very good uh, hitting the fastball either, especially away uh, this year. Obviously, the vision's better. And mm-hmm. he knows how to hit. The dude is smart. So he was just pummeling fastballs. And then teams are figuring out, oh, this guy can still hit fastballs because he has his right. whole career. Let's try this. And they just keep away, 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 spin, off speed. And, I mean, it's amazing. It truly is, is, is amazing how poor. It's five games. I'm just saying, like, we'll see. This, this DH thing. It is funny because before this, um, Nelson Cruz was like, 19 for 29 before this one for 15. Sure. Well, before going, uh, what, five for seven with three doubles, two homers in Arizona, Matt Carpenter was one for 19. So sure. if, hey, as long as uh, they can keep uh, playing the hot hand, maybe they'll have like a, you know, <laughs> they'll have a Hall of Famer at DH like every night. Sure. Well, and that's it too, is you sort of, you know, to judge each of them as sort of like you would one starter is unfair to them. Sort of, you take the the combined contributions of both, and you hope that it's a league average or better player. And so far, it has been. Yes. Um, and you know that's interesting, uh, Kevin. I know that we've sort of alluded to this and touched on this briefly in the past, but Matt Carpenter, speaking of careers at a crossroads, was a guy who, to many, looked finished um, a few years ago. And he went sort of across the country, rebuilding his approach and his swing. Yeah. Uh, what is he doing differently? If, if, if I watched video of him from yesterday next to video of him from three years ago, uh, what would be different? I don't know. I, I wrote about okay. it in the spring a little bit. Right. I don't know. The bat's in the zone longer. Okay. Uh, okay. Right. <laughs> like, I'm working on a story of Josh Hader for tomorrow, and it's taken me all season to put it together to be able to see that his slider's moving differently okay. um, and all this Uh I always say I'm not a scout or a coach. I talk to a lot of them, and then I watch something 45 times that they see the first time or the second time that they uh, watch it on on, on video. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know, but credit to him for having done a, a lot of work. I will well, try to explain what it was. And well, again, people. I mean, people know, but the numbers he put up last year with the Yankees in a small sample size. I have to couch everything with him and small sample size. Rank up there with some of the greatest offensive performances of all time. Yeah, it was great what he did. Goes to the big market, that'd be the big market, the place where if you stink, it's bigger than anything. If you're good, it's bigger than anything. All right? 
the toughest media and the biggest homers also. So like they'll build you up in a second. And, and like, it was absolutely amazing what this guy who was on the couch, uh, let go by the Rangers did. And absolutely. He hit some long homers. It wasn't like he was just barely clearing that short porch in right field a lot right. of the time. However, hitters will tell you that playing in certain parks gets their confidence up too. Okay. And so even if you're hitting it 30 rows deep and it would have been a home run in 28 of 30 ballparks, maybe if you were in one of those other ballparks, mm-hmm. you would, you wouldn't have hit it as well that day. I mean, right. this is all subjective, but sure. these are all like, there is um, when you do talk to people there, there was some concern and question about, well, how much of that was Yankee stadium. Right. Um, good for him, man. When this guy hits a home run too, it's not like 118 miles an hour, 30 launch angle. It's like 102 miles an hour, 23 launch angle. Like, boom, he's just got a beautiful swing. Like I said, the bat's in the zone a long time. He knows when to swing. That is the mark of a really good hitter and, and, and makes a good hitter into a occasionally great hitter or makes a bad hitter mm-hmm. into a guy who can manage in the major leagues or like a, just an okay, not a bad hitter, an okay hitter into a guy who can manage uh, a lengthy big league career. If you are swinging as often as possible, only at the pitches you should swing at. And right. that's who Matt Carpenter is. And you, like I said, you saw it all season, but you're like, but I don't know. Like, is this because his skills have de- uh, eroded? Am I actually still watching good Matt Carpenter? Or am I watching like Matt Carpenter who can only get on base by walking and occasionally, right. you know, punching a ball to the outfield. Um, it, it, it appears that we're still watching a very capable Matt Carpenter. Sure. And I'm just, I love the idea that somebody who has made enough money to be set for many lifetimes decided that he was going to go try to fix what was wrong so he could play another couple years in the bigger. To me, that's a, that's probably the sign of a good teammate, Kevin. The, well, it is. I don't want to discount that. My years of covering this game, when it's over, it's over. And these guys know it. They know enough guys who, you know, went retired and went to the golf course, retired and their wife got sick of them. Retired and they had to go in the carpool lane, right. um, you know, at, at, at school. Uh, they love this game and they they love being around teammates. Um, for a lot, it's an addiction. For a lot, it's very healthy. For some, it's unhealthy. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about Matt Carpenter here, except to say this. He wanted to still play. He wants a ring. Yes, mm-hmm. he wanted to still be around the guys and he wanted to still feel the competition. Um, that's that's. You know, that's not to discount what you said, but yeah, Matt Carpenter, it was very, very important to him to continue to play. Cause like you said, uh, you know, that couch he was sitting on was probably, you know, $8,000 couch. So, yeah. uh, you know, he doesn't need to do this. Right. But he's doing it right. It, it, speaking of, of guys who are well-respected in the clubhouse, I'm working on my segues, Kevin, um, <laughs> Joe Musgrove returned, uh, made his first start of the season Saturday. Uh, I thought a, a very good performance by him something that obviously the Padres were looking forward to getting him back. Uh, your first impressions on, on his first outing back. I'm going to start here, and it may not be the most important thing, but there are a couple of things that have already stood out to me, just having Joe Musgrove back in the clubhouse, back on the active roster. And I want to start out with this. That was the first game all season. The Padres pitchers did not issue a walk. Wow. Really? It was the second game that a starter didn't issue a walk. Seth Lugo didn't in the fourth game, his first start. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not the only one who thinks this. As a matter of fact, I'm not the guy who came up with it. Someone far more important and, uh, and, and smart than me talked about the tone that Joe Musgrove sets. The way he sets when he's on the mound, that we're business, that that I'm challenging you. You know, he gets the automatic ball against Josh Rojas. Uh, his first time working with the pitch clock, he didn't know that he'd messed up. Josh Rojas, who, by the way, is probably my favorite opposing player. Just watch him play. If you hate him, that's what I mean. Josh Rojas is just a grinder. He played four positions this week. Uh, love him. But he's also a real baby. Right. And that's another reason I love him. If he was on your team, you'd love him, too. But he's the one who pointed it out to the umpire uh, that Joe had made a, a violation by step by asking for a new ball. And um, what did Joe do? Struck him out on the next pitch. And it was personal because that's who Joe is. Now, he, yeah, he struck him out. He maybe like he wouldn't have, but he did. And the next time he got a clock violation, what did he do? Struck the guy out on the next pitch. Like no walks. Shoving it to a guy that, you know, called, uh, you know, made sure that he got called a violation. Like, that's Joe Musgrove, the things that he says. Um, He's one of the few pitchers who has the gravitas, who has the respect in the clubhouse, that he can speak about the offense, right? Like, he's not insulting them, right? He's, He's doing his job, so he's okay to say, hey, we haven't started hitting. I'm not mad about it, but we're gonna hit better, and we haven't done it yet, whereas some pitchers, can't or won't even talk about the offense, but right. Joe can. There's just something about having Joe Musgrove back, uh, you know, with the team as a part of the team. I think it's huge, and that's what stands out to me. Yes, he he got through five innings um, working in the pitch clock the first time. Uh, maybe kind of his slider wasn't there, but he has so many offerings. Uh, he found a way to make it work. Uh, I thought it was uh, about as good as it could possibly have gone. Kevin, you've been in, in clubhouses a lot. How rare is it for a starting pitcher, and maybe not even a guy who's widely considered the ace of the team, how, how rare is it for a starting pitcher to be sort of the culture setter, the tone setter for a whole clubhouse? Very rare. Um, I, to me, it's it's never happened. Now, I didn't cover Maddox, uh, sure. Cone, you know, Kevin I, I, Brown, yeah, Clemens. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Kevin Brown, there was still some other strong personalities in there, right. Um, right. you know, as there are here. But Joe's Joe's big. It's it's um, it's that he wants it. It's that he embraces it. It's that he's backed it up. And it's it's the San Diego thing. It's it's all of it. And it's 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 what makes him him. That's very cool. That Kevin uh, Padres are in Chicago for the next three games. Uh, this is not the Chicago Cubs of. Uh, well, 2016, this is not a team that is – I mean, they're sort of – to me, Kevin, they're, they're in sort of no man's land a little bit where, you know, they've let their superstars walk. They've signed some high-profile players, Dansby Swanson, uh, Jamison Tyon, and, and others. But, I mean, they're a, they're a middling team at this point, aren't they? Yeah, they're 12-9, and nine, and, and this yeah. this series um, – but it's, you know, right, right? Like I've spent a it's lot early. of time telling people it's April. Right. Um, they're, they're a somewhat surprising 12 and nine, but they just lost three or four to the Dodgers. So what that brings to mind to me is, you know, it, uh, what they'll say in baseball a lot is it, it's when you play a team, right? Mm-hmm. I remember two years ago, the Padres played the Cubs. They were smoking. As a matter of fact, in 2021, every, it was amazing as, for all the problems that were wrong with the Padres in 2021 that sunk them. And what I'm about to talk about didn't sink them, but it, it didn't help. They played the Nationals when the Nationals had Scherzer. They played the Mets when the Mets had DeGrom. The Giants didn't. The Dodgers didn't. 
I mean, it was unbelievable. Like they played the Cubs when the Cubs were hot. They, it was it was crazy in 2021 how every time they ran into a team, they they were facing aces, and that team was hot. So, uh, and last year that was not the case, and it's almost always the case that the good teams sometimes get a break. They're not playing the other good teams when those teams are hot, or they're not playing a bad team like the Mm -hmm. Cubs probably will be when that team is going through a good stretch. So you face the Cubs last week and you go, Oh wow. Like, Hey, early season six or whatever. People are hitting. Uh, They're talking about culture change here with Danzy Swanson. Um, So, but now you face the Cubs who just lost three or four of the Dodgers. You go in here and you take two or three. If you're the Padres that you think you are. Sure. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, This is going to be the Padres first time playing Eric Hosmer. Am I right? Since, since they traded him. Yes. Is it is that going to I mean is that a story? Do we think that's a story? Well, he won't be playing tomorrow. He's playing right. against righties, first base and DH uh against righties only. He's a platoon player at this point. Uh <laughs> right. very familiar line. Not last year. Last year at this time he was leading the league in hitting, but uh make sure I get this right here. He's batting 241, 305, 352, three doubles, a home run. This is very Eric Hosmer stretch right yeah. here. Yeah. Um you know, he'll go on a heater here pretty soon, get that up a little bit. Yeah, look, I bet you there's guys going out to dinner with him tonight. You know who loves him? Xander Bogarts loves him. They're not, not like they're friends and have known each other along, but they share an agent and they talk. And, and Eric helped Xander get settled in San Diego. Tatis loves him. Manny loves him. Yeah, it's a, it's a story. I'll push back all the time on this. What is the perception from the outside is so often mm-hmm. not the reality on the inside. I see things virtually every day or have emails from from people at virtually every day mm-hmm. where they they the the person absolutely believes what they're saying is fact mm-hmm. and it is 180 degrees from fact right there was a lot of spot on criticism of eric osmer mm-hmm. a lot of spot mm-hmm. on criticism of eric osmer mm-hmm. there was a lack of acknowledgement of the positives that he brought to the team the sure. Padres are better off without Eric Hosmer. See, all of these things that I've said can be true at Absolutely. the same time. Right. They right. can be better off without him, and there can be some good things he did. <gasps> what? Right. No, well, and and again, I think with some fans' criticisms, the, the money gets in the way sometimes sure. of clear thinking. They go, Well, I can't believe that they paid this guy X to, you know, and that's his, fair too. He hit. But the criticism then shouldn't be on the player, it should be on the team that gave him the money. Am I right? I mean and there you go. And, and, and there you go again, fair criticism, unfair criticism. It was all out there. Um, he is what he is. And you know, yeah, but you asked, is it a story? Sure. Um, it it is. And, uh, I know that, uh, some guys will be glad to see him, but I know that in their heart of hearts, they also know that they are a better team. There was a lot of navigating that was having to be done last year in terms of keeping Eric and other veterans, you know, happy and keeping Eric fresh, like Bob Melvin likes to do. Like he could run up against maybe this year if if uh, a player goes cold, a veteran player goes cold, right? Sure. Um, and so it was easier on everybody, and they improved at first base. Okay, um, mm-hmm. when when he left for one one thousand percent. Right. Well, and we saw this, Kevin, when when we were in Phoenix. Uh, you know, the day Fernando Tatis made his return, the Diamondbacks designated Madison Bumgarner for assignment basically said we're done we're done here uh, even though they were on the hook for another couple of years and 
tens and tens of millions of dollars with him. And, you know, I thought the Tory Lovello had a great line, which is, you know, as a person, you ache for the guy and, and you want to make sure that, you know, you feel awful. But there comes a time where you, you're here to win games. And, you know, I think that that's if I can compare apples to oranges here, you know, that was sort of their Madison Bumgarner moment where they can acknowledge the impact that this guy has had culturally. But it was time to move on. It was, and it's an interesting thing. You can look and see that they ended up basically paying all of the money, and you say, well, why didn't you do that sooner? Well, there was a time they thought they could get more for him, sure. for Eric Hosmer, sure. and it turned out they couldn't, and then they did you know, the right thing, and they ate everything. Could they have done that a year earlier? Okay, sure. Um, I think, you know, they, they did what they did. Absolutely. Kevin, uh, Wrigley Field, uh, they're not going to be kind to Fernando Tatis Jr. over three games. Uh, is this something he's he's anticipating? I mean, this is not somebody who's been booed very much in his life. Uh, is is he ready for what's coming? Yeah, you know, it was interesting when I was hearing him getting booed in Arizona, and it was pretty loud. I was remembering, you know, he was starting to. I mean, certainly Dodger Stadium. Okay, uh, he was. You know, Manny takes a lot of it off of him in a lot of places. Uh, you know, maybe people only have so many boos in them. But yeah, here's it's an interesting thing, right? Like, not only is he good, so if you're there to root for your team. You don't like him. You're going to do the overrated chant, all that stuff. But then he was, he's a 24 year old who has a PED suspension, a 24 year old superstar who has a PED suspension. So there it is. Like that's the easiest thing in the world for people to hold against someone. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, will deal with this for a long time. I would imagine. Do you anticipate as a player that it's different getting booed because you're good versus getting booed because of something you did off the field? I, um, these guys are amazing in their ability to rationalize, justify, compartmentalize. Um, and I say these all as compliments. Um, right. It wouldn't be good for you and I, you know, doing our marriage or, uh, you know, our friendships or whatever. But sure. if you're trying to be a superstar athlete and compete at a high level, you have to do it. So I say that with the, you know, absolutely as compliments. Fernando can tell himself a lot of stuff. I don't think it's different. He's acknowledged that, yes, he knows it's coming. He's acknowledged it's not as fun as maybe you would put out there that it is. But he also is the kind of guy I think I believe you will catch him smiling tomorrow uh, based on something he hears or something like that. Um, I, I, I it will be interesting. And this is a guy who we can point out worked out with Joe Musgrove during the offseason, focused on his heart rate, focused on his breathing, in part because he said that there were going to be times during the season when he's going to have to slow it all down. Yeah, it'll be interesting because we can, you know, we can talk about a lot of things and then when we have to do it, right? Like, I believe, I told you, I I think that he's mature beyond his years. And one of those ways that you would expect that to manifest is in his ability to handle this. That said, is it going to be a difficult thing to handle? So we'll see. Absolutely. Well, we're buttoning up right on the 30 minute mark here, Kevin. I know you've got a lot of work to do. Josh Hader story coming up. I'm excited to read that. And then uh, next time we talk, uh, you will be bound for Mexico City. Am I right? Be in, in, in Ciudad, Mexico. Excellent. 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 Fantastic for a two-game series between the Padres and Giants. Later this week, Padres-Cubs first, though. Three games starting on Tuesday at Wrigley Field in Chicago. That'll do it for this episode of the Hot Lava Podcast. For Kevin Acey, I'm Ryan Finley. We'll see you next time.